crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello and welcome back to Watch Jerusalem. I'm your host, Brent Naktika. We are coming to you today from Jerusalem, Israel. Thank you very much for tuning in. We are going to take a break from biblical archaeology uh, today just because of the important events that have taken place in the region this past week. And I want to draw your attention to the decision from Saudi Arabia that was made on Wednesday afternoon, Thursday morning, to stop the shipments of its oil through the southern Red Sea. It has decided that it is now too dangerous for it to sail its ships around the Persian Gulf and then out of the Persian Gulf, around the Arabian Peninsula, and up into the Red Sea. And while it might not seem like a very important decision or or it might not uh, forebode anything too horrible, this decision by Saudi Arabia is something we've been watching for for about seven years at Watch Jerusalem and our um, mother website, The Trumpet. It's been something that we have been looking into and following closely. In fact, if you go to the Watch Jerusalem site and you scan through all the news that we've written over the past year and a half since we've been live, most well, the, the subject that we have covered most, I would say, is Iran's movements in both the Persian Gulf and the Bab el-Mandab Strait. This is a strait that separates uh, the Bab el-Mandab, Africa, from the Arabian Peninsula. It's just 18 miles wide. Uh, if you want to travel by sea from the Indian Ocean, so anywhere in Asia, and you want to um, go to Europe or into the southern Mediterranean, it's about 40 percent, 43 percent quicker for you to travel through the Suez Canal, through the Red Sea, through through the Suez Canal, rather than going around the bottom of Africa. It, it, it makes so much more sense to do that. It's so much more cost effective. And yet the southern entrance to the Red Sea is the Bab al-Mandab Strait. And so if you control this territory, control this waterway, that can give you great uh, leverage or leverage for as far as geopolitics goes. The United States has long guaranteed the freedom of movement through such strategic gateways all the way around the world. And yet we had this week Saudi Arabia is deciding that it is not uh, deeming it safe enough to send its tankers through this waterway up into Europe. This waterway is, is the fourth most, uh, well, the Bab el-Mandab is the fourth most traveled waterway in the world. 10% again of global seaborne trade comes through here. 4.8 bil- uh, million barrels of oil per day did travel through here per day. Now that's going to go down since the Saudis have decided to stop that. 2.8 million barrels of oil of that 4.8 are headed towards Europe. It's headed towards Europe. And now Saudi Arabia says, we can't do that anymore. That's what happened on Thursday, an event we have been waiting for to happen for the past uh, seven years. Seven years in the making, this has been. And we were watching this even more closely when Iran took over uh, Sana'a, the capital of Yemen, which is on the eastern coast of the Bab el-Mandab Strait, back in 2015. 
And that really did confirm to us that what was said four years earlier, what was forecast four years earlier based on the Bible um, by our editor-in-chief, Gerald Flory, was right on the money. Back in 2011, January 2011, let's just go back to that time. And I just want to read from you an article that was written just after the civil war started in Libya and Gaddafi fell. Um, because it's important to note that in January of that year, based on a prophecy in Daniel chapter 11, our editor-in-chief, Gerald Flory, directed his audience to watch Libya and watch Ethiopia. These two nations form a pretty critical part of um, Iran's end-time biblical strategy, or strategy as revealed in the Bible, what its plan is. Everyone wants to know what Iran's plan is. Do they want just global hegemony? Yes. How are they going to do it, though? What is going to be their strategy? This has everything to do with Yemen and what took place this week. But I want to take you back till 2011 to show you why we've been focusing on this. Well, there is a specific end-time biblical prophecy in Daniel chapter 11, verse 40 to about verse 45, that really talks about what starts off um, some incredible end-time events. It starts off with two players, the king of the south and the king of the north in verse 40. They anciently uh, were the Egyptian empire, the Ptolemaic empire, that was the king of the south based out of Egypt, and that was... uh, it existed in the 300s BC all the way down till uh, the Roman Republic uh, basically t- took over part of Egypt. So a, few, a couple hundred years there, that was the ancient king of the south. And the ancient king of the north, as Daniel was writing here, was the Seleucid kingdom based out of uh, Antioch um, and modern-day Syria. These, this was one of the four kingdoms, that, four or five that came out of um, Alexander the Great's empire once he was destroyed. And Daniel writes about Everything that would happen, of course, Daniel was written a couple hundred years even before this. And yet Daniel chapter 11 is this critical biblical passage that talks about what would happen after uh, the future Alexander the Great would die, his empire would be divided. And then most of the chapter talks about this relationship between the king of the south, formerly Egypt, and the king of the north, formerly the Syrians, or the Seleucid Empire. But when it gets down to verse 40, it talks about, it, it's jumping. It goes, and this will happen in the time of the end, it says. In the time of the end, there are these certain things that are going to come to pass. We're 2,000 years removed from the former king of the south and the king of the north. And the Seleucid kingdom's long gone. The Ptolemaic kingdom's long gone. So who do these people refer to? Who do these nations or kingdoms refer to? Well, the Seleucid kingdom ended up being taken over by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, if you keep on plotting it through um, to today, we see, and we can send you literature that will prove this to you, that that is based obviously out of Europe. And that has there have been a number of, of um, uh, resurrections of this Roman Empire throughout time. And so this king of the north there, that is this next new coming Holy Roman Empire as led by Germany. Germany is going to lead this next one, the nation of Germany. And that is this king of the north, formerly the Seleucid Empire. Now it is a German-led Europe. And if you, don't, if you, if you say, well, that's kind of, if that's kind of hard to believe, well, let's stick with the prophecy and stick with um, watching these events and see how it does relate. 
completely to what's going on right now. The king of the south, though, that was formerly Egypt, the Ptolemaic kingdom, we have been talking about that as being radical Islam led by Iran. Radical Islam led by Iran. And that will include the nation of Egypt, even as verse 43 talks about in Daniel chapter 11. It will include Egypt. But this alliance is also going to include other nations. And the Bible talks about who they're going to be. So I'm going to read for you Daniel chapter 11, verse 40 to 43 now. This is what it says. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south, that is, as we've labeled, radical Islam led by Iran, uh, push at him. This him here is the king of the north, as it says. And the king of the north shall come against him. There's going to be a response. There's a push, some type of push towards another power, another kingdom, and they shall respond. And so if you think of this kingdom, as we've labeled it, being a German-led Europe, a German-led revived Holy Roman Empire, then we have Iran pushing at Europe, basically. And he is going to come against him, and the the king of the north um, is going to come down like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen, with many ships. He's going to enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. Where Where is he going to enter? Verse 41. He shall enter into the glorious land. So that's obviously referring to Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, Edom, Moab, and the chief of the children of Ammon. So certain countries are not going to be allied with Iran, or else they would have been conquered by the king of the north as he was coming down. But notice which countries he goes after. Verse 42, And he shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt is not going to escape. So based on this verse, um, we've talked about Egypt belonging to the radical Islamist camp. It's not in the radical Islamist camp right now, um, but it will be. Even though they're Sunni and Iran Shiite, eventually it's not going to matter what version of Islam that somebody follows. It'll be whether you follow follow political Islam, whether you believe Islam should also govern governments. That's what what Iran believes. And that's what many Sunnis believe also around the Middle East. And so those type of um, Muslims will band together and cross the sectarian divide. That's what the Bible is saying here. And there are going to be other nations that aren't included, that aren't willing to accept Islam's governance over their governments. And they are going to uh, side, not with this radical Islamist power led by um, Iran, but they're going to side with the king of the north, as other prophecies bring out. But notice that Egypt here is not going to escape, and he's going to have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and of all the precious things of Egypt, that is this king of the north eventually, and the Libyans and Ethiopians shall be at his steps. And so there's another couple of countries here that are mentioned, Libya and Ethiopia, that are also going to fall eventually to the king of the north. Why? Because of what Iran has done in these nations, governing their, their foreign policy. And if you look at a map, and this is basically what our editor-in-chief did, he looked at these, these scriptures, then you look at a map and Libya's in the southern Mediterranean, you've got Egypt governing the Suez Canal towards uh, Libya's east, and you look further south and eventually you get to Ethiopia, or the Kushites as it says there, for Ethiopia. That really did occupy this entire area from Sudan all the way down into Ethiopia anciently. 
and you obviously have the nation of Eritrea today, and even Djibouti. But as far as biblical biblical times, or as what's referred to here as Ethiopia in the Bible, that likely includes them as well. And so, looking at this, why is the why is this German-led power coming down into the Middle East? And we're already seeing part of this, and German-led power, um, and, and with the Italians and the French, and what's going on in Libya and the, the 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 Mediterranean of all these migrants and them trying to project their border not. To, to Italy or Malta, um, but down into North Africa is what they're saying. That's actually the border of Europe down there. And if we want to protect Europe, we've got to go down there. And so that's, that's what they're doing, even now, in, in, in a limited scope right now. But that will grow. And that will grow as they are pushed to do so because of Iran's actions in the Middle East. And so looking at this, this scripture, verse 43, Mr. Flurry did right that Iran is going to have a strategy to govern this whole uh, sea passageway through the Red Sea, right where Eritrea is, on the other side of Yemen, up into Egypt and into the southern Mediterranean. They are going to put at jeopardy all trade through this area. They understand the leverage that this, that, that, that controlling this waterway would have on Europe. It's absolutely critical, and not just Europe. It would have also on the Asian giants as well that want to continue their trade into Europe, of which right now stands at $800 billion a year between the two. That's a lot of money to protect. And most of it is coming right through this, this Red Sea passageway that Iran is right now putting the clamp down on. And that's what we said was going to happen uh, back in 2011. Now, as far as how Yemen gets into this, um, and the, the actions in Yemen, just across the Bab el-Mandab, the 18-mile strait, is Yemen. And Mr. Flurry, back in writing in 2011, said that Yemen's shaky right now. You should watch that. Watch what's happening in Yemen. This, is, this nation could be part of this same strategy. I mean, to govern Yemen is, is, is just as important to govern Ethiopia because you've got one side of the strait that you can put under the scope of your, own, of your missiles and land naval mines, um, which all things that Houthis have already done. And so looking at this, going fast-forwarding uh, fast forwarding into 2015, we weren't surprised when Yemen fell to the Houthis. And at the start, they said, well, we're, we're not affiliated with the Iranians at all. Uh, we're all on our own. We're independent. The Iranians den- denied it. Some of them did. Some of them came out and said, no, we're, we're backing and supporting them. And we see in a, a Houthi, um, again, these are, this is a faction in northern Yemen. These are the a Shiite group, affiliated group, as opposed to the rest of Yemen, which is, uh, follows Sunni Islam. And they rebelled against the government. They took over the capital in January 2015. And we wrote at the time that this proves that Iran is starting to implement its strategy to govern the Red Sea Passageway. They want that power. They want that power. And so that's why we've written about this at length, time and time and time again, particularly over the past few couple of years, because it has Iranian actions through the Houthis has increased. And some commentators look at this and say, well, um, they're basically supporting them because they want to be a, a thorn in Saudi Arabia's side. Saudi Arabia is the main target here of the Iranians. And while that may be initially the case, Iran has far greater goals, as Daniel chapter 11 brings out. 
They don't push against just Saudi Arabia. They push against Europe. And how could they do that? Sure, you could say they could launch a few missiles into Europe. Eventually, they may try and do that. But they're pushing, at first, economically. This is an economic push. And that's something that really does um, motivate Europe, as we've seen in times past. And if they could, if they could put in jeopardy or sabotage trade through this area, that might actually make Europe leap into action against them. And so we have this push coming. And this push um, has, in, at least in part, to do with what's taking place in Yemen. I do want to just read a little bit of this article that we wrote back in 2015, right when um, Yemen was taken over by the Houthis. This is what we wrote. Yemen is one of the most strategically important countries in the world. Recent developments ha there have shocked many people and will have a dramatic effect that extend far dramatic effects that extend far beyond the Middle East. In January, the Houthis, a rebel group sponsored and directed by Iran, overthrew the pro-American Yemeni government. After they conquered the capital Sana'a, throngs of Houthis began chanting "Death to America, Death to Israel." These are exactly the same battle cries that Iran uses. This stunned many people in Europe and terrified many of the moderate, more, more moderate Arab states, especially those that rely on unlimited access to the Red Sea. The Houthi takeover in Yemen proves that Iran is implementing a bold strategy to control the vital sea lane from the Indian Ocean to the Mediterranean Sea. We need to understand the gravity of this new situation in Yemen. That's what we wrote in 2015. And frankly, I've just been surprised at the limited amount of discussion in the media about what happened this week. This, this is huge. We talk about how, um, well, Iran's threatening to shut down the Persian Gulf, uh, the, the Straits of Hormuz. This is on the other side of the Arabian Peninsula. Yes, that is a far more strategic location just because if, if we're talking about oil, 17 to 18 million barrels per oil come out of the, the Persian Gulf um, every single day. And there's only five that travels, th travels through the Bab al-Mandeb. But if you're looking at this from Iran's perspective, you've got to see that, well, maybe they want their oil to continue, the oil to come, continue to coming out of, the, out of the Persian Gulf, because that goes elsewhere. That can be sent over to Asia. The Chinese can buy up Iranian oil that way. But let's, let's put a clamp down on the oil going towards Europe. And to do that, let's keep the Persian Gulf open and close down the Bab al-Mandab. That's what they might be doing here. This is pretty big that Saudi Arabia would decide that it's going to stop sending its tankers through there. Kuwait uh, is looking at the same thing, saying, well, maybe we're going to stop it. The Emiratis, they're deciding whether this is going to be safe for their transit of their goods as well. This is a big deal. This is a massive deal. And again, it's something we have been talking about for um, seven years now. And we picked up our watching of it in 2015 when the Iranians took over Eastern Europe, giving them an uh, access point. Now, since that time, in 2015 through, th through 2016, into 2017, we had a number of things that took place. Uh, we had uh, land or naval mines being placed in the Bab al-Mandab by the Houthis to try and stop naval traffic through here. We had a number of suicide boats. This is where you dump a lot of explosives 
I guess they're not suicide boats because they are, they're drones, but you dump a lot of explosives on a boat and then you have a remote control and you stand off to the side and then you direct this boat via remote control into a ship traveling through this waterway. And the Houthis have done this. They've got themselves on video on YouTube. You can see them shouting, Al-Akbar, um, death to America, death to Israel, right as they're leading or, or uh, directing these explosives-laden sh- uh, boats towards these massive ships. They've even, atta- uh, uh, they've even attacked uh, Saudi warships, Emirati warships, this way. They've also fired missiles against American warships a number of times in late 2016, early 2017. Now, if you haven't heard about what's going on here, this is this out of all the 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 choke points as far as world trade goes, this is the only one right now that is on the cusp of war. And in fact, war has been taking place on ships going through here. It's been taking place for a year. And finally, the Saudis are like, we're fed up. We're fed up. And guess what? This isn't going to affect us as much as it'll affect you, everybody else there in the world. Just so you know, the Houthis have been targeting our ships and your ships for the past couple of years, and no one's done anything. And guess what? We have this massive pipeline that can get our oil from the, from the Persian Gulf all the way up into the middle part of the Red Sea, bypassing the Babel Mandab Strait if we want to. Sure, they do send their tankers around, and that's what they have done. Now they said we're not going to do that, but they can direct their, their oil through this pipeline, put them on ships further north, and Iran's going to see that they're going to try and stop that as well. But really, this action from Saudi Arabia, it was intended, was intended to be a wake-up call to the rest of the world to what Iran is now doing in Yemen, to the control that Iran now has in Yemen, to put in jeopardy trade through the Bab al-Mandab. Again, something we have been writing about and watching for for the last few years, and it has finally, finally happened. I do want to read an article that was actually written today because the Saudis are aware of this, obviously. Um, you have a lot of the other uh, Gulf states that are aware of what's going on. And then everyone else seems to be standing, you know, sitting on their hands, not doing anything about it. You have some report. You had a report in Bloomberg. Um, you had a report in the Wall Street Journal. Um, but other than that, mainstream media hasn't been covering this. I mean, oilprice.com had a couple of stories about it. They, they're aware. I mean, it looks like the, the oil price is going up because of this. Uh, some believe it'll go up $1 to $3. You could say, well, that's good for Saudi, <laughs> good for Saudi Arabia in the end uh, if the oil price goes up. But nevertheless, there are ram- serious ramifications to this, and yet it hasn't been covered much at all. Why not? Well, probably because um, the elephant in the room is, Iran's going to be doing this until somebody stops them. And who's going to stop them? The same day that this happened, Qasem Soleimani, the head of the IRGC Quds Force, this is the, the, um, the violent uh, extremist group, basically. I would call them a terrorist group. They've been designated as such by the United States of late, uh, the Quds Force at least, not the whole IRGC yet, but that's probably coming too. But Qasem Soleimani is probably the most popular figure in Iran. 
most popular figure in Iran. He's the one that leads battles in Syria. He's the one that travels up to visit Putin uh, in 2015 and say, hey, we need your help in Syria. And Putin says, okay, I'm coming down. He's the one that sends his operatives into Yemen to train the Houthis. He's the, wherever Iran is doing something outside of its nation, the Quds Force is involved. And Qassam Soleimani basically heads it up. He's the one that's he's the one that's talking to Hamas via satellite link two weeks ago, which eventually failed, probably by the Israeli Israelis probably shut it down somehow. Nevertheless, he's an important figure. He's a very popular figure, and I would say second, second, and in, in as far as um, importance. To, to the Ayatollah himself. Others may argue with that. But as far as what Iran is able to do through the Middle East, he's your point man. And he answers directly to the Ayatollah. He doesn't have to worry about any bureaucracy. And he gets funds directly from the Ayatollah as well, in which to uh, support uh, different groups throughout the Middle East. Well, what did he have to say? Qasem Soleimani last week. He, you all know about... Um, Iran threatening Rouhani, the president, threatening the mother of all wars on the United States if, if the United States would, would act um, again, or continues to act against it and continues to lay threats down. And then the president responded to that, saying, don't you threaten us, basically. Soleimani came out and he directed his comments toward the president of the United States and said, hey, don't talk to Rouhani. If you're going to threaten us military, militarily, I'm the man to talk to. You come get me. You start a war, Mr. Trump, I'm going to finish it. And he said that it's not safe for you. It's not safe for you. Where did he say it wasn't safe for the United States anymore? He said it was not safe for the United States anymore in the Red Sea. That's what he said. That's the threat he gave last week. Just as the Saudis said, we're out of here. We're not going to send our tankers through. Qassam Soleimani is issuing direct threats to the United States in the same arena, in the Red Sea. There has been a talk, a lot of talk, of Iran trying to well, potentially shutting down um, oil trade uh, through the Persian Gulf if its oil is not unable to be sold on the open market. We are coming to extreme pushing point over the next couple of months because of that. Sanctions on Iran are... are uh, but put back in place by the United States in early August. But then the ones related to oil, Iran's oil, nations that are buying up Iran's oil, allies that are buying up, and U.S. allies that are buying up Iran's oil, the U.S. has basically said, you better stop that by November 2nd. And we are going to try and cut off Iran's access to the market to sell its oil. Sure, Iran will always have somebody, it seems, to buy it. But this could really affect a lot of Iran's oil output, or at least its access to the open markets. And so now it's going to be increasing pressure. And Iran has said, hey, if you don't allow us to sell our oil, we're closing the Strait of Hormuz. And just as a little teaser to ratchet up the pressure, we're going to start attacking or mobilizing the Houthis further to attack uh, tankers traveling through the Red Sea. Now, if you think about this, I mean, the Houthis, they do care. What do they care about? They care about governing this land in Yemen. That's probably what they want most. They want to get rid of the Saudi-backed government that has been there. This civil war has really been raging on for decades, um, years and years and years inside Yemen. 
But the Iranians, they couldn't really care less about who's going to occupy power in Yemen, um, one of the most destitute countries in the entire world, impoverished countries in the entire world. They only care about it because of its access to the Babel Mandab, because of its access to the Red Sea. And so they told them, obviously, the Iranians told the Houthis, step up attacks in the Red Sea. You, this is how you're going to get your funding. If you want to perpetuate your war against the, the, the Yemeni government, Houthis, well, this is our quid pro quo. This is what you need to do for us. And the Houthis are following suit. And so we have a foretaste of what Iran may try to do, um, may try to do in, in the Strait of Hormuz. Now, if they did this in the Strait of Hormuz, you might see some action pretty quick. But so far in the Babel Mandab, nothing. Nothing from the international community. Which probably makes the, the Saudis just fume, considering on the other side you've got of the Bab al-Mandab, you've got Eritrea and Djibouti, which has the largest number of naval fleets in the world just sitting there as far as coming from different countries. The Chinese, French, American, I think the Italians even have something down there. All that, a lot of their ships are there, and yet none of them, none of them are sailing through here saying, we are guaranteeing the freedom of navigation. And Saudi Arabia said, well, this isn't just about us. This is about you too. And we're pulling out. We're pulling out until somebody steps up and takes care um, of business here. This is what this article says from Ashak al-Awsat newspaper. This is in an Arabic newspaper translated into English uh, coming out of the United Kingdom. It details what's been going on. This is from today again. The development that no one wanted has finally transpired with Saudi Arabia suspending its oil shipments in the Bab el-Mandab Strait in the wake of two of its giant tankers, which were carrying four million barrels of oil, coming under attack by the Houthi militia on Wednesday night. Reuters, meanwhile, reported that Kuwaiti, a Kuwaiti official is saying that his country may follow in Riyadh's footsteps and also stop shipments in the 18-mile strait, one of the world's busiest. Uh, then it goes on to, to say that there's 4.8 million barrels, uh, million barrels of crude coming through this area uh, every single every single day. Uh, then it says this. Most importantly, the suspension of global oil supplies is a very is very dangerous for the world economy. Saudi Arabia had previously warned of this and said that successive attacks on tankers pose a dangerous threat on the freedom of navigation and global trade in the Mandeb Strait and Red Sea. Saudi Arabia has been warning about this for a long, long time, that this, this is going on, everybody. And then it continues to go on. Securing freedom of navigation, the Bab al-Mandab, and fighting, finding a secure route for transporting crude oil, which is important for oil derivatives to reach Europe and global markets, is the responsibility of all countries that benefit the navigation in the strait. This responsibility is not limited to Saudi Arabia and other mem and members of the Arab coalition alone. If the world were concerned about the possibility of Iran obstructing oil shipments through the Arab Gulf and the Hormuz Strait, then it should realize that Tehran has been doing so for three years in the Bab al-Mandab. They've been doing this, as I talked about before. Land-to-sea missiles, naval mines, uh, explosive boats taking out ships, taking out warships, and no one deals with it decisively. And everyone's worried about, oh, the Persian Gulf, the Persian Gulf. Well, how about what's been going on right now? Then it says this, um, 
The Houthis, together with the Iranians, have for the past three years been violating international law, and yet no one in the international community, um, while not disregarding the major role played by the American administration and President Donald Trump, dealt with them seriously. It's impossible not to distinguish between a tanker carrying two million barrels of oil and a warship. This was confirmed by Qassam Soleimani, commander of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards God call Quds Force on Thursday when he said that the Red Sea was no longer safe. This is where, he writes, Saudi Arabia, this is Salman al-Dossari, this is where Saudi Arabia's decision to suspend oil shipments through the Bab al-Mandab could be a good thing. It could serve as a warning to the international community of the Houthi-Iranian alliance that is harming the world economy. Perhaps the suspension may pave the way for reaching a decisive decision to form an international coalition to stop this threat on international navigation. So he's saying, and I think there is a pretty big element of truth to this, that the Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia has done this as a wake-up wake up call for the rest of the world. Iran is right now putting in jeopardy world trade through a major choke point. And who's going to do something about it? Now, the Bible says that eventually it's going to be a German-led Europe that does something about it. And that makes sense, right? That makes sense because most of this trade is going towards Europe. Most of this, what goes through the Red Sea, and we're talking about um, far more than just oil now, goes through to, to Europe from Asia. Now, I've, I've been trying to research this straight for a number of years. And a couple of years ago, I found this pretty big document that was written um, for the United States War College in 1991 by Yemeni Colonel Hussein al-Yadoumi. And he looked at the, the what would happen if the Bab al-Mandab was put in jeopardy in a way that it is right now and talked about its strategic importance. And he said this, just one quote from that study. He says, one of the primary duties of the international community is to act as an alert guardian to ensure that the Babel Mandab Strait is available to all navigation and at all times. Now, this is something for everybody, he said, for the whole international community. You need to act as an alert guardian. An alert guardian. Has that, has that happened? Anyone acting as an, an, as an alert guardian right now? As far as what's, what Iran is doing, well, obviously the Saudis are saying, no, no one is. And so we're just going to stop our oil coming through there for a while until the world wakes up to what Iran is currently doing to try and govern this strategic waterway. This is an article that was written back in 2014 from the Jerusalem Center of Public Affairs. This is the outfit here in Jerusalem run by former Israeli ambassador to the UN and former um, advisor to, to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Dory Gold. One of his authors, Michael Segal, wrote this, quote, If the Shia rebels gain control of the Bab al-Mandab Strait, Iran can gain a foothold in this sensitive reason, region, giving access to the Red Sea and the Suez Canal, a cause of concern not only for its sworn rivals, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Gulf states, but also for Israel and European countries along the Mediterranean. Arab commentators in the Gulf have warned in recent years about the, this Iranian push. Iran has been pushing. That's very interesting language. That's what the Bible says they're going to do here through these straits, through controlling the waterways. They're going to push at Europe. And here we have an author, uh, probably not aware 
of his of his uh, language being biblical in terms of Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40, but he uses this word as, as a push. And he says, Arab countries have been warning that Iran wants to do this for years. For years. And this isn't going to affect just the, the Gulf states or just Egypt or just Israel. It's going to affect Europe as well. We need to wake up to it. And what we saw this week is the Saudi Arabians throwing up their hands saying, world, Europe, do you care? Do you care enough to ensure the freedom of navigation? This is going to affect you. The Bible says that this is going to affect Europe and is in fact going to be one of the motivating factors that finally gets Europe to become a little bit more proactive when it comes to stopping what Iran's doing in the Middle East. Now, I really do recommend that you uh, read two articles, two articles on Watch Jerusalem right now. Uh, the first one just will recap t- to you what, what took place last week. It's just an, a small article I wrote. It's entitled, uh, Citing Attacks on Tankers, Saudi Arabia Holds Oil Shipments into the Red Sea goes through the events of what took place. It also talks, talks uh, or quotes a number of um, economic advisors saying that, hey, this is Iran's, Iran's moves here. They're a credible threat. Don't think that they can't do this. They are doing it. And don't think that they can't even do the same thing in the Persian Gulf and how that, even if it is shut for a couple of weeks or so, how the, the, the disastrous effects that that would have on the rest of the world. That's one article. Just to give you a recap of what's happened, this other article is the one that was written May 28th, 2015, and it's entitled, Iran Gets a Stranglehold on the Middle East. And you read that knowing, knowing that it was written just after the Houthis took over the capital. And the whole thrust of this article is that Iran is going to use this to jeopardize world trade through the Bab el-Mandeb Strait part of their Red Sea strategy, and it's really going to affect Europe. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening. This is a very important topic. If you read through these verses in Daniel chapter 11, yes, you've got Daniel chapter 11, verse 40, verse 41, 42, 43, which we read today, but go and read the next few few verses. It's showing how these exact events we are describing lead to the coming of the Messiah. That's why it's important. Not just to look at it and say, we told you so. It's all about what happens next. And the shutting down of the Babel Mandab Strait is one of these um, important events that takes place as a precursor to the coming of the Messiah. And that's why this is important. So please go ahead and read this article, Iran Gets a Stranglehold on the Middle East. And we'll see you next week.